Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Max Vest, who is a fifth-year resident at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Max is originally from Godfrey, Illinois. He completed college at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign and medical school at the University of Illinois Rockford campus. He's interested in hand and upper extremity surgery. Max, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you doing? Wonderful. Thanks for being here. Great. Thanks for having me. So I'd love to get started by hearing kind of big picture overview about your program. Yeah, so big picture, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. There's six residents total, one resident per year. I think the main thing that might set us apart is just how small and uh, tight-knit it is. We're very close with all of our attendings and our early autonomy. It's graded based on your level of competency, but I think our attendings in general do a very good job at finding out when you're ready to do certain parts of a procedure and then allowing you to do it if you're capable of doing it. So a lot of it is resident driven. And if if you put in the time and the hard work, then you can definitely progress, you know, relatively quickly to to the part that you're doing uh, some critical portions of a procedure relatively early on, but it's all in a very safe environment. It's certainly not malignant. And uh, everybody's very relaxed here. I think possibly compared to other programs. It's a very relaxed environment and uh, people get along well. Can you take me through the plastics experience that you get over the first three years? So the first three years, it's been changing. It's a little different than even when I started, but currently as an intern, you start on the ICU, the trauma ICU. And that was another thing I wanted to mention about maybe something that stands apart in this program is it is a level one trauma center. It's the main level one trauma center in Nevada. So we're seeing uh, a lot of trauma. We're a very trauma heavy program and we see it from all over the state and even some surrounding states. So to start our rotations, even as an intern, you start on TICU service, trauma ICU, just sort of really like get you going right off the bat. And then uh, that's the first month and the second month is trauma you start working hard right off the bat. And then you do a few other general surgery rotations. You have three months of plastics your first year, six months of plastics your second year, and then nine months of plastics your third year. And then from your fourth year on, it's all plastic surgery. In the general surgery years, we're we're very close to the general surgery department. Our program chair, his wife, is actually the program director of the general surgery department. So we become very close with them early on. And it's very similar to the plastic surgery side. You know, the autonomy and competency is completely based on on the individual and how much effort they're putting into it. And we set pretty high expectations here. You know, even in the early years when you're on your general surgery services, you know, we want plastics residents to be, you know, performing at their highest level, even though they're on general surgery rotations. So just because uh, we're on general surgery doesn't I mean, our expectations change and we actually keep them very high. And I think that helps us keep a good relationship with our general surgery colleagues. And what are some of the different sites that you work at? So the main sites, uh, we spend the majority of our time at University Medical Center, which is 
uh, our county hospital. That's the vast majority of our residency. We spend a little bit of time at a private hospital called Sunrise Hospital. At our main hospital, UMC, it's a level one trauma center. It also has a children's hospital, which is attached, and it has a PICU. It has all the ICUs. And then there's a few outpatient surgery centers we go to, a specialty surgery center, and there's another uh, surgery center we often go to. And then during your fourth, fifth, and sixth year, particularly, you do some outpatient rotations at a uh, phenomenal cosmetic surgery practice here in town that we rotate with. And that's uh, where we get the majority of our cosmetic experience. And that's a private practice, and they're nice enough to allow us to come and learn from them and so we spend some time out there, We and then we spend some time with a variety of other private practice groups. One's a dermatology group, one's an oculoplastics group. Everyone's you know very happy to have residents on board. Are there any independent residents or fellows? There are no independent residents. We typically have a microvascular surgery uh, fellow every year. This year, we actually uh, did not have one, but we will have one next year and the experience with a micro fellow it's definitely a positive we everybody benefits basically what they're doing is they're going to all the micro cases Uh, we do deep flaps pretty much every monday we do a lot of extremity free flaps we do a lot of head and neck free flaps and basically they come and are doing a lot of the micro but at the same time it's not overly competitive to the point that uh, the residents aren't getting any micro too because the fellows become comfortable extremely quickly just because there's a high enough volume of micro here that they become comfortable within the first few months and then you know they're more more than willing to walk us through micro and everybody becomes uh, very comfortable with micro here. What's the research experience like? We have a few dedicated months our fourth year for research We did have a lab, a dedicated basic science lab, a few years ago. Then there was a transition from UNR to UNLV, and we're still working on getting that lab back going. So currently, most of our research is uh, database research, and then just various other uh, projects, especially dealing with other institutions, too. We're working together with a few other institutions. I would say with research, it's very resident-dependent, and uh, it's very resident-driven, with the internet and all the resources we have now, anybody can do research. You can do it, you know, at any institution in the world if you, you know, put yourself out there. So in general, there's some residents that are really into research and they go out and find it and they're able to do whatever they want. There's some residents who don't like research as much and they'll do a little less. So it's re- it's really up to you. And, you know, we do encourage research. We like to be one of the more active departments here. And uh, we participate in Resident Research Day every year, and all the plastics residents are gladly do that. And uh, we typically win an award from that, you know, almost every year. So it's very resident-dependent and resident-driven here. And what kind of support is available either in the process of doing the research or once it's been accepted for you to be able to go present it? We have a research coordinator that's very helpful with all of our research. We also are very close with some of the physicians on the IRB board. So we can talk with them directly to, you know, help get IRB approval, uh, you know, what needs to be done to get IRB approval for certain projects. So we don't really have problems getting IRB approval for projects. But I will say the majority of it, we are doing a lot of the heavy lifting for research and 
the nice thing uh, here is we have a lot of medical students interested in research. So a lot of the medical students pick up a lot of the heavy lifting also. So it is very resident and uh, student driven all, all the way through. When you are, you know, ready to present, what kind of support does the department offer? When you're ready to present, pretty much all of the residents receive funding from our GME to present at any national conference uh, we want to. We just simply put in an application. You just have to do it early. Then they'll give you a certain amount of funding to travel and to present. One in particular that everybody seems to enjoy is uh, the Mountain West Society of Plastic Surgery that we've been doing the past few years. And last year we went to Aspen, Colorado, and it's a ski trip, and it's very informal, but everybody presents. So, you know, some people will ski in and then present right off the slopes, and that one seems to be a hit. Everybody loves that. So if you want to present your research, there's funding available, and the GME department wants everybody to do research. So they're very supportive there. COVID has changed everything everywhere. So I don't know of anybody recently who's tried to, but I was just talking to my program director about it the other day, my program chair, and he said it's still available. And actually a nice thing they do here is the medical students have research funds. So they're actually able to, if you want to start a project and uh, get involved with medical students too, they have a decent amount of funds to actually uh, fund the projects, which is helpful. Can you tell me a bit about what call is like across the years? Yeah, so call, it's changed uh, even since I've been here, but I would say in general, we're doing, say, Q3 to Q4 call. There's always a junior and there's always a senior on call. And we're taking one week of hand call a month. We split face, face fractures and lacerations with our ENT department. ENT takes Tuesdays and Fridays and we're every other day. It's home call, which is very nice. And I would say our, our call is very reasonable. And a, a lot of it is driven by the, we get so much trauma experience in particular early on. Everybody feels very comfortable with face fractures and lacerations. Even the juniors very early on just get a great exposure to trauma and they become very comfortable taking consults. You know, by, by two or three, you're very comfortable uh, handling, you know, most things that come through trauma. Something kind of interesting here that maybe doesn't happen in other programs is our hospital has the contracts with the UFC and some of the other in boxing contracts. So a lot of the UFC fighters come to UMC right after the fights. One of the residents in particular got called in the other night and was, you know, sewing up a famous boxer's, you know, eyebrow laceration and they requested, they only wanted a plastic surgeon doing it. So, you know, that's sort of unique to this program. We see a lot of very severe injuries, just being a level one trauma center in Nevada, a lot of ATV accidents involving hand and face. So like I said, we become comfortable very on. We don't do too much call. We don't do too little call. It's very nice that it's home call. Nobody's burned out from call, which is nice. So it's a good call schedule that we've sort of figured out over the years. We, we take about one to two weekends per month, home call. And what's the mid-level support like? So we just recently hired a PA, so we're still working out the details. I mean, this is very new of uh, how we're going to integrate it into the system. In general, you know, obviously before uh, we didn't have a PA or an NP, so there was no uh, mid-level support in terms of rounding, but 
we work so well together that I mean, it's basically gotten to a point that you know we're very fluent on rounds. So with no mid-level support, that does mean you know the one, two, and three in particular uh, do pick up a lot of the the floor work. But like I said, we've become very proficient at it, and uh, it gets hard at times. There's no question about that, especially as a one, two, and three. But uh, as a four, five, and six, it gets to a point that you're basically able to manage it very efficiently, and it's very reasonable. It's a good system. And are there any opportunities for electives, either that you choose like within your institution or an opportunity to go to another institution? I'd say that's a benefit of this program. We are very flexible being small, and our chair is very open to uh, suggestions and just will do anything to make the program better. Same with all the other attendings. So right now, our chief gets three months, the last three months to do whatever they want. They can go to whatever practice they want. The current chief is going to this cosmetic practice that I spoke about. But even throughout the years, if you make a recommendation about your schedule, we're more than willing to accommodate. Most residents don't do rotations at other universities. We had a resident from uh, University of Texas Southwestern come as a chief for a few weeks, but most residents don't do electives elsewhere. They just do whatever they're interested in their sixth year. And are there any opportunities for global rotations or trips? Since I've been here, we have not done any global trips. I know previously there were some uh, a number of years ago, but right now we we don't have a system in place to for uh, global trips. I foresee in the future that will eventually be incorporated. I think just at the rate of change of this program going in the right direction. And uh, that could be a thing down the road. It wouldn't surprise me, even if it was, you know, a few years down the road. And can you go into a bit more detail about the cosmetic experience? I think we really do have a, a great cosmetic experience here. And we have our own resident cosmetic clinic. And it's once a week. Right now during COVID, we just because of the rates of COVID that picked up, we change it to once a month. But regardless, you basically are able to, this is a lot like anything else. It's very resident dependent and it's what they want to get out of it. And if a resident is really interested in cosmetic surgery and they really want to bring in the patients, then they'll go out and they'll find the patients and they'll, you know, treat it like a cosmetic practice. And we've had residents that do every cosmetic surgery you can think of, you know, facelifts, abdominoplasties, breast dogs, I mean, whatever you can think of. And it's really just dictated by the level of interest of the resident. So the five and the six are the ones who actually have the uh, resident cosmetic clinic. And we, we do a fair amount of cases. Uh, right now we're doing about one every other week, I would say, and that's during COVID. So it's been a good cosmetic experience. We get a cosmetic experience at the university, but like I said, it's very trauma heavy. But our main cosmetic experience is through this private practice group who is just phenomenal. And I don't have enough good things to say about the practice. They're the ones who really teach us the uh, ins and outs of different ways of doing cosmetic surgery. And I will say as a five and six, you feel very comfortable with your bread and butter cosmetic surgery cases. And it's a good experience. When do you start having dedicated rotations or time with that private practice group? 
Uh, we start as a fourth year. We do three months as a fourth year, three months as a fifth year. And then if you want to do three months again as a sixth year, you can do that. So you can get up to nine months with them. And is there any experience with gender affirmation surgery? So one of our attendings just started a uh, transgender program within the past few years. We did a lot of top surgeries before. Now we're starting to do a lot of bottom surgeries also, especially with insurance approval. So that side of things is really taking off. Dr. Brocious is doing a lot more transgender surgery. And so that's a great opportunity if uh, anybody's interested in that. And are there any other fun perks about your program you'd like to share? The department pays for loops. Our attendings all buy us these Arcteryx jackets. I mean, they're really nice jackets. Uh, so everyone's got a black, you know, zip up jacket and it's Arcteryx got your name on it. So, you know, they pay for that themselves. It's a nice gift. I think uh, little perks of Las Vegas, you know, it's known for the strip. And I think, uh, you know, during interviews, we take people to the strip, which is fun, but it's it's actually a very small part of Las Vegas. You know, personally, I think the best parts of Las Vegas are on the outskirts of it. I think Red Rocks is just a phenomenal national park that's right next to Summerlin. It's right in everyone's backyard. When you can go there hiking anytime, rock climbing if you're into that. Lake Mead is just 30 minutes away if you're into boating or fishing or just getting out there. You can run and hike. And then all the national parks in the surrounding areas. There's Joshua Tree National Park. We just did a day trip to the Grand Canyon uh, Skywalk just the other day. Drove two and a half hours. Got to see the Grand Canyon. Drove back. So it is really a cool spot. It's a few hours away from uh, San Diego and L.A. So if you want to take a trip to the beach, you can always do that. Come back. It is in a really nice spot. The weather here, I can't say enough about it. I mean, it's truly beautiful. I mean, there's no humidity. It's warm year-round. Even in the middle of the winter, it's 60 degrees. You can just walk outside at any point. You can do whatever you want outside. And uh, I definitely take that for granted coming from Illinois. Back to your program, what area of plastic surgery would you say residents have the strongest experience in upon graduation? The strongest experience? I've had this discussion with a a few of the residents and attendings, and I think across the board, it's hard to say the strongest because I think people really do feel very strong in every department. I'm thinking in craniofacial, we become very comfortable with cleft lip, cleft palate, cranial synostosis, in hand surgery, you come, become more than comfortable managing the most difficult of hand and upper extremity recon cases. Breast reconstruction, we get a phenomenal experience. Cosmetic, we get an unbelievable cosmetic experience. And then microsurgery, especially it's really picked up in the past few years. Five and six become very comfortable with microsurgery. It's become very routine. So in terms of strongest, it's hard to say. And I think the answer to that is it's resident dependent and it's whatever they're interested in and want to pursue. And uh, whatever they want to do, the opportunities are absolutely here. And how would you improve your program? Working at a county hospital, you become very resourceful. And I don't think you would get that at other places. You really have to learn the ins and outs of the hospital system. And you learn how to do a lot of the, I mean, it is sort of scut, but at the same time, you take a lot away from that because, you know, if you need something, you know how to do it yourself. You know that hospital like the back of your hand. 
and you're not always being spoon fed. And although that can lead to harder work, you know, long term, I mean, that's a very beneficial skill to have. In terms of improving that side of things, we've been doing a lot more cadaver labs. Uh, COVID has put a halt to a lot of that, but I don't think there's anything that replaces scheduled cadaver labs. Right now we're doing, especially dedicated for, you know, whatever you're doing, whether it's a flap cadaver course or say like an Arthrex hand course or something like that. I've just had such good experiences at uh, these anatomy courses. That's really picked up in the past few years. So I can't really say, you know, I would want to improve that because we're so close to the reps. The reps actually fund them. So even though our department might, might, might not be funding them, and which they do, it, it's been picking up in the past few years. And we do have a micro lab. It, it's hard to say what I would improve even compared to some of these. We might have less uh, dedicated time to actually go and actually work under the microscope practicing but we still get plenty of time in the operating room under the microscope. And there's always a microscope available. If you want to go practice, you just can call or text the coordinator and you can get in there anytime and go practice micro all day if you want. So, I mean, the, the opportunities are there. So in terms of improvement or uh, what could make it better, I can't think of much right now. When you do that with the microscope, do you ever work with like rat models or is it more like synthetic anastomoses? So it's synthetic. A lot of it, these little plastic tubes that you can suture to. And I think just throughout the years, when you're, especially when you're starting micro, you're starting with nerves, getting comfortable. I think one of the main benefits of the lab is, you know, learning how to hold the instruments and just holding a needle and ro- rotating it in your hands and just learning how to rest your hands. And you know, I think the graded way we do micro in the operating room, you just, we have enough case volumes that you know, you start in the lab, but then you eventually are working your way up to the point that you're very comfortable. So now I'd like to transition a bit and hear about your program leadership. So your chair and your PD. Yeah, so we have great program leadership. Our chair has, especially in the past few years, really made a, a lot of progressive steps for the not just our program, but, you know, the institution as a whole. Uh, he's very involved. I think the best part about it is how receptive everyone is to feedback. We're such a small program that, you know, anybody can text the chair or the program director directly. It doesn't have to filter through the chief resident. And I would say that's the biggest strength. And, uh, you know, there is a growth mindset here. So, you know, we're always pushing to, you know, we just became our own department within the last few years. And, you know, we're always looking to expand. I'm sure in the next few years, we'll probably be adding another resident. We just added multiple new faculty. And I think the the main thing is just everyone here, you know, they're easy to talk to. It's a non-malignant environment. So there's good leadership here. And they do a very good job at knowing what level you're at to provide certain levels of autonomy. And when, when they know you're sort of there, then they, they really do let you do what needs to be done. And uh, they do a good job. Can you tell me about a time that either you or another resident brought up an issue to the program leadership and how they responded? There's always little things going on. And I can tell you sort of the chain of things is we're such a small group that, you know, the residents discuss it with themselves. There's only six of us. So a lot of it's during conference. You just sort of talk or you you just text. 
and really any issue. And then that does filter through the chief and then the chief brings it directly to the attending or the resident can bring it directly to the attending. And then it's just dealt with on a case by case basis. You know, a particular example, everything's pretty similar in terms of the chain of command when it comes to this. And it's all little things, just little things that need to be refined. But a particular example isn't really, you know, coming to mind at the moment, which is probably a good thing. What kind of role do residents play in department decision-making when it comes to things like picking new residents or even new faculty hires? As a group, everyone gets together. Obviously, the five and the six are actually interview the applicants and, you know, so they have a vote in the in deciding, but also all the applicants get together and we just discuss and being a small program, you know, obviously, just like anywhere, fit is a big thing. You know, do you relate to the, the culture of the program? You know, do you like Las Vegas? Things like that. I would say we, we definitely all have, you know, a say-so, but the five and six actually doing the interviewing. So you've already mentioned a bit about the, you know, relationships amongst the residents, that everybody's pretty close-knit. Was there anything else you wanted to add about the vibe or the culture amongst the residents? You know, in general, Las Vegas, I think, at least from my experience, the majority of people here, they're, they're not from Las Vegas. So you get people from all over the country. So you get all sorts of varying interests. You get people from just all over. So there's a lot of different cultural influences here. You know, there's friends for everyone. And once again, there are, some of the other programs are very small, too, like our ENT colleagues. And we spend a lot of time with them just in the same cases doing free flaps. So you become close to, say, our ENT colleagues just by a matter of spending so much time, you know, in the same operating room doing free flaps. And then it's very similar with the general surgery. We spend a lot of time in the operating room with them in certain uh, breast recon cases and things like that. And do the residents spend time together, like outside of work? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think some of them are uh, hiking right now. And uh, one of our residents likes taking everyone mountain biking and then, uh, yeah, dinner here and there. And so, yes. So what are some of the qualities you would say of a resident who would fit well in your program? I would say main qualities. I think it's just someone who can uh, just be a team member and someone just looking out for uh, other people in the group and knowing your roles at different times and just being a good sport when it comes to that. Like sometimes you're going to be the one assisting and sometimes you're going to be the one uh, operating and just just having a good attitude and uh, I would say everyone here it, it's on the laid back side and no one's going to uh, just chew you out in front of a bunch of other people so so we're definitely on the laid back side you know everyone likes doing outdoors things here so I'd say it's more of a laid back non-malignant culture and whoever would fit in that group. You get a lot of interesting people in the plastic surgery realm. So the array of interests that you find in people are just, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. So, you know, anybody with an, say, unusual interest would probably fit in great. And so now I'd like to hear a little bit more about how residents live logistically. So do most own or rent? Right now, actually, most are renting. But previously, more people bought houses and you know, a lot of it's just sort of market dependent. There's a really nice area out here. There's a few of them, but Summerlin, the majority of residents live in Summerlin. Henderson's a nice area. A few residents live out here occasionally. 
But yeah, it, it's whatever you want. There's beautiful houses out here, but you know, if you want something more convenient, renting's a great option. It's very affordable. It's gone up since I've been here, but it's going up everywhere. So. And where do residents live, like in relation to your hospitals? Most live in Summerlin. It's about ten to fifteen minutes away. It's about a, I would say, on average, maybe like a twelve-minute drive from the hospital. Our hospital is right. It's basically right in the middle of the city, right off the major highway. So no matter where you are in the city, you're within twenty minutes of it. And are most of the residents single or married? Anyone with kids? There's a good mix. Right now, there are none with kids. There's a few married, and there's a few single. And is it necessary to have a car? It's necessary to have a car. There's a decent amount of driving, especially with the home call. And besides, you know, you mentioned some of the like outdoor activities that people don't often think about immediately when they think of Vegas. What else do you like about your city? Being sort of a cultural melting pot, the food here is obviously unbelievable. Some of the restaurants are the Strip. You have, you know, chefs from all over the world, and we do a lot of rep dinners there. So you get this vast array of of different dinners, and I mean, you really can't beat it. I can't think of many other places, maybe other than New York, where you get that. And then even some of the smaller restaurants, you know, there's sushi on every block. And so if you're a foodie, it's obviously a phenomenal place. And then, I mean, there's any of the workout facilities here. There's fitness centers all over the place. You know, Las Vegas is very fitness heavy. And just with the weather, you know, I can't say enough about the weather. You can really go outside at any point, run if you're a big runner or biker. So it's it's good for people that want sunshine. I mean, it's only cloudy, I would say, a few days out of the year here. That's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about today. Any final thoughts either on your program specifically or on the process of choosing a residency in general? When choosing in general, I think the main things to look for, you know, a big part of it's just culture and and fit. And something that I sort of noticed that I find interesting is that, you know, you'll interview at 20 places. And then at least in my year after the match, I sort of looked around and looked where everybody matched. And it, it sort of made sense like, oh, this person matched at Ohio State. It makes sense. They fit into that Midwestern spot. And this person matched there and knowing their personality so it really does, for the most part, it, it really works out. And there's just something about, you know, the vibes, you know, you're giving off when you're going somewhere. And when you when you vibe at a certain place, you kind of know, and they know too. Anybody applying to plastics, all the other stuff's kind of taken care of. Everybody's smart. So, I mean, fit really is just a huge part of it. I was a little concerned about the general surgery side of things coming in, you know, maybe my interests were more plastic surgery, less general surgery. But I will say, and, you know, not just that, since we rotate really on everything, ENT and all these other services, dermatology. And I will say there's definitely something unique to the plastic surgery experience. You, you get such a large variety of exposures to different things that I, th I think we're just so well versed in so many things. And even though something might not be your direct interest, it's just so invaluable having this wide array of experiences and understanding a trach, even though you're a plastic surgery resident, and understanding how to put in a peg, even though you're a plastic surgery resident, because and understanding uh, skin in and out, even though you know, you're not a dermatologist, because there's just so much overlap with plastics, because you're basically dabbling in a little bit of everything. So 
I would say don't let it uh, discourage you if there's a little more general surgery or anything, because even in general surgery, you're, there's vascular work. And so it, it always relates, like everything you do, I think particularly in plastic surgery relates. And how can interested students find out more about your program? They could easily email pretty much any of the residents. If they got a hold of their number, they could text or call them. Everybody's very kind here. No one's going to turn them down. You go to our website. I'm pretty sure our emails are on there. They could feel free to reach out. It's no problem. I think that's everything we wanted to cover. So thanks so much for speaking with me today, Max. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.